Hey, this is Graham Elwood from ComedyFilmNerds.com. You're listening to PF Tape Recorder. And it's delightful. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Chris Bliss. Alabama just gave us a great site, and we're talking with people in Oklahoma about an equally great site. Everybody gets that we're trying to create landmark monuments uh, of the Bill of Rights, not just put up some plaque with a bunch of words that people glaze over and walk by. Always a great chat with Chris. We're going to talk about the Bill of Rights Monument Project, get an update on that, an update on his buddy Jail this Weinstein's goings-on. Uh, he's going to be performing with Jay Elvis, of course. Also known as Josh Weinstein if you're in Minneapolis, but only in Minneapolis. He's Jay Elvis everywhere else because there's two Josh Weinsteins. Anyway... So they'll be performing in Minneapolis in a week or two. We have the song of the week coming up from the Superman Lovers. He is actually a French DJ, so that's straight in my basket. But before all that, we start with one of our most popular features. And it's time for another installment of... It's Facebook, not Factbook. So this meme pops up on Facebook, and it's uh, one of my wife's uh, idiot relatives. And uh, anyway, uh, the, you know, the, the Donald Trump's been accused of groping women. Several women have come forward. And before you start screaming, Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, we're going to get to him in just a second. Uh, but this uh, thing says, busted fake Trump accuser tied to Clinton Foundation and caught in a lie. Well, th- they're saying that, the, first of all, <laughs> this is how it starts off. Here's the story, breaking news. The old hag Jessica Leeds. Nothing says objective journalism like starting off calling the subject of the news piece an old hag. Anyway, uh, she claims that Donald Trump couldn't have groped her as she described because uh, she, the, the uh, alleged victim describes Trump lifting up the armrest on the airplane and starting to grope her. And uh, this lady says, well, that, that can't be possible because uh, uh, airplanes in the 80s and the uh, late 70s, you couldn't lift the armrest. And she shows a stock picture from a 767 that's available on the Internet. Here's the problem with that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Says Gene Blank. Okay, the answer they gave most often is worth five hundred dollars if you match it. If you match the next one, you get two fifty, and if you match the bottom one, you get a hundred dollars. That's a gentleman named Gene Rayburn. He was a game show host in the late seventies and early eighties, most notably on a show called Match Game. Now, this is important because my father tells a celebrity sighting story uh, from back in the seventh. I believe this is the late seventies. No er, no later than the early 80s. Anyway, he was, my dad used to fly, or he was a salesman, he used to fly around the country all the time. And one time on an airliner, he saw Mr. Gene Rayburn. Mr. Gene Rayburn uh, often flew back and forth between New York and Los Angeles, and he would often buy three seats uh, and then use them as a couch. And you know why he did that? Because he could lift the armrests! That's why he'd lift all the armrests and he'd lay down and he'd treat it as a couch. And then they'd tell people, you know, don't disturb Mr. Rayburn, please. He's, you know, flying back to Los Angeles, flying to New York. So, so that right there is some, some BS. And then she goes on to say that, uh, oh, she has ties to the Clinton Foundation, and she has the same num- phone number as the Clinton Foundation, which, which Lou Dobbs was kind enough to release on the air. Thanks, Lou. Dick. Um, but the problem is, is that was not true. That, was, that has been debunked, and her ties to the Clinton Foundation are include a $10 donation to a charitable organization, by the way, unlike Mr. Trump's charitable organization, which he steals money from. All right. So I know you're going to say Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton. And here's the thing about Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton's a creep. And I know the Clinton supporters, uh, Secretary Clinton supporters, are all like, well, you know, whatever Bill did, it was consensual. Still gross. 
it's still gross, everybody. Okay, it's he's he's not a nice man in that respect. You know, oh well, I, mean, I you'd think he was a great president. You know, and as we've seen some of the thing he did, like deregulate Wall Street and you know jump in better the Republicans, maybe not so great. But anyway, uh, she's all we got, so you know we we have to stick with her. But anyway, the other thing is people are saying that Hillary threatened these women. You have to define threatened because here's the thing: if your spouse cheats on you with somebody. Your opinion of the person they cheated with, whether it was consensual or not, whether your you know husband or in this case uh, you know was the started it or initiated it, you're not going to have a favorable view of those women. So even if Hillary said I want to kill those bitches, I would understand that you know. And if you can bring me actual evidence that she actually was going to physically harm them, and even at that, I think you know you get, it gets a pretty weak case. Um, you know, it's just a bunch of nonsense, isn't it? So anyway, let's first of all, let's stop blaming the victim, which would be Hillary, and then all these other women and demonizing them. And yes, you can say anything about anybody. I get that. I get that. But, you know, and Trump is innocent until proven otherwise, even though he's on tape saying he grabs women, you know, uh, he's, he's innocent until proven otherwise. Um, but like, and, and let's just stop pretending that we have a choice anymore, by the way. All right. And uh, as always, as we get closer and closer to November 8th, Election Day, or November 28th, if you're Donald Trump, uh, just remember this. It's Facebook, not Factbook. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. And this just in, go to any of our Home Shirts websites, use the code COMEHOME, all one word, and receive 20% off for a limited time. Now, on with the show. Chris Bliss is a stand-up comedian and juggler who is also involved in something called the Bill of Rights Monument Project, which hopes to put a monument to the Bill of Rights in every state capital in the U.S. Uh, we've talked with Chris several times before. It's always a great chat. Here now is our interview with Chris Bliss. Hey, Chris, it's P.F. I know it was. How are you? Pretty good. How are you? I'm not bad. Um, I, I call this uh, interviewing comedians while I drive around in my car. That's how hectic my... Oh, so it's almost like the Seinfeld thing. It is, yeah. I did this with Todd Glass, too, and it worked except out pretty that, good. Yeah. Except that you're not Seinfeld and I'm not Gilbert Gottfried, but other than that, it's identical. Yeah, but, but, if, but if you were! I don't know. I have nowhere to go with that. <laughs> I love Gil. I should have Gil on the show. He's. Uh, I interviewed him years and years ago before I had the podcast, and... Um, uh, yeah, it's, he's one of those guests I always wanted to have back on, but he doesn't, he doesn't tour enough. Who doesn't tour anymore? He doesn't tour enough. Gilbert Gottfried. He doesn't, like, come to right. Minnesota or Cincinnati where I can have an excuse to interview him. That's why I, no. that's why I fool people to being on the show, of course, as you know. Oh, you can hear, look, you can hear fire trucks and everything in the background. This is, uh, this is real life. So, um, so, uh, what's new? Oh, are we recording, are we recording this? Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is going to be your podcast, then? Yep. Well, there we go. All right, good. Then I won't mind that uh, while you're driving around, I'm cleaning my pool filter, okay? All right, nice. There you go. This is... Uh, All right, I mean, we're just going to... I mean, this is theater of the mind, right? It it's a podcast, mu- so... Multitasking. We're going to take people inside the uh, actual workings of our days. Yes, we are. You're driving around your car, and... Huh. 
I'm uh, headed home for lunch, take care of a few things, and then uh, headed back to the day job. Uh, so it's the annual visit to um, Minneapolis, and last year when you guys did this uh, with your buddy Jay Elvis, you did not do the thing where you alternate on stage, or, or did you? I don't remember. I think you guys were going to change it up. Uh, last well, time. we just go out there and, uh, and uh, you know, uh, pass the... But- oh, what just happened there? I just did a bad thing. Uh-oh. Uh, we just go... <laughs> We just go out there and uh, pass the baton to each other. Okay. You know, from various positions of either, uh, you know, uh, I mean, here's the way it goes. Uh, we stand out there with each other. We will, uh, as the spirit moves, comment on whatever the other act is saying at the time. Right. Not not in a team sense, but just because we've known each other for so long. Right. And then uh, we will also... Uh, Either if you get to the top of the mountain or dig yourself in the giant hole, that's when it's time to go. Hey, buddy, your yeah. turn. <laughs> so, so we, we've been and, and so so there's it's not always the uh, beneficial to you to be the one who is trying to subvert the guy who's doing his act, right? Because if you dig a hole for him, he's just going to turn it over to you. So there's a lot of conflicts of interest in this show. That's what this show should be called: conflict of interest. There you go. But Minneapolis, the only place that you do this. Well, that's due to popular demand. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, by every place else in America, we don't come there. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> he's out in California. Well, Minneapolis, in the first place, it's not Minneapolis, it's Acme. That's right. And Acme, as every comedian will tell you, is a uh, privilege to get to work at Acme. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's got... Uh, yeah, so, so for us to be doing... This is a perfect show for a place like Acme because it's not a standard show. And Josh and I, every time we do this, we uh, force each other to do new material. He really busted my balls on that. When I saw him out in L.A., I, I, have you talked to Josh yet? No, I haven't, and I, I may or may not get to talk to Josh, and I'll, I'll probably email him this afternoon and see uh, if I can get him on the horn, too. I remember the one time we did this. Together. Well, I mean, uh, but you know about but you know about the, the uh, film that he did, the latest doc. Uh, yeah, I think he talked about that last year because he had the, the Michael DeBars one. He was still well. I saw this. I saw the screening of it uh, earlier this uh, summer in LA. It's it's really funny. Uh, I think it's one of the uh, better films about uh, what it's uh, the, what the comedians are made of. Yeah, and what's also and also what's funny, and also you don't. I mean, you don't. You actually feel like you're on the inside, and you are on the inside, and it's not an uncomfortable thing. It's not. A, I mean, it's really. There's no. Some guys does it. He, he stays at a distance. He keeps his voice pretty much out of it. Lets you make your own decisions, you know. And it's and the people are so entertaining that it's just. I mean, it's really worth seeing. If you, it'll increase uh, anybody's understanding of. Well, the makeup of a stand-up comedy and a stand-up comedian. It, it's pretty, it's just really good. So uh, I'm not sure when it will be coming to a theater or a, or a other distribution channel sometime soon. Too. Although I, 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 I imagine it could play in Minneapolis yeah. because of the ties with Lewis Lee. So anyway, uh, and he told me when I was out there at the screening, as he was basking in the glory of his excellent screening, yeah. you know, he said, I hope you're, he said, I hope you're bringing some new material. Huh. This, this time to acting. Like, I don't every time, but, you know, it's like, okay, Josh, yeah, all right, sure. Well, you know. 
but you're also busy. And the Donald Trump, I mean, we're getting, it's, it's a, we're getting new material written for us daily, so. <laughs> so, but you're still working with the uh, Bill of Rights Project, too, right? That's that's taking up a lot of your time. Well, that is taking a lot of my time, and we had a great year. Uh, we're having a great year. Uh, we, uh, Oklahoma and Alabama have both approved monuments on their grounds. Nice. Uh, so that went through the legislatures earlier this year. I picked those two states because I have connections that make me believe that it'll be uh, that I can put together the kind of executive fundraising committees okay. to do them. Because I can get every state to approve one of these monuments. It doesn't cost the taxpayers anything. It doesn't cost the politicians anything. Right. But I'd have 50, 50 resolutions and no way to build the monument. So, uh, uh, so uh, both of those states are looking very good. And Alabama just gave us a great site. And we're talking with people in Oklahoma about an equally great site. Everybody gets that we're trying to create landmark monuments uh, of the Bill of Rights, not just put up some plaque with a bunch of words that people glaze over and walk by. So it's, right. it's been a really positive experience. And I've got a feeling once we get, uh, you know, two, three, four of these up, um, at, at some point, states are going to start coming to you, which is obviously the right game plan. Uh-huh. You know, to make people go, hey, you know, uh, that sounds like a great idea. How can we get one at our capital? You know, and uh, that's what, so that's my Bill of Rights out there that you're generously letting me talk about right now, the Bill of Rights Monument Project. Uh, it's a pretty good project. We've gotten great support from the comedy community. Uh, Lewis Black, in particular, has been. Uh, at both of our major benefits, uh, been the uh, you know headliner at both of our major benefits. Yep. We also had Dick Gregory and Tom Smothers at both of our benefits. Yeah, I remember so, that. Plus, I mean, younger comics also. But I mean, it's been very much the people in the tradition of uh, of uh, you know free speech, in particular, anyway, who've been uh, our, our greatest. Uh, the shows have been so good, you know. Have so been- I. Uh, uh, have people become more interested in the Bill of Rights, uh, you think, uh, over the years, as, you know, people, as, as politics, as, you know, people, for good or for bad, through social media, have gotten interested in politics, I don't know how educated they are on it, but as, have people become more interested in the, in the Bill of Rights, necessarily, you think, or do you think this is more, still more You know what, I mean, I, when you, whenever you're working on something, you tend to think that, uh, every, you know, you're right, because you're right where the people that are looking for that stuff are, are, are going to find you. You tend to think, well, people are interested in this. Um, I'd say it's a long-term project. You know, I always compare it to, uh, you know, if you think about the, the great cathedrals of Europe, they were built with this incredible passion and and, uh, and devotion and dedication. Then 200 years later, people started thinking, what do we need these old buildings for? Yeah. Well, they keep breaking down. We have to fix them all the time. And at that point, you either go tear it down or restore it, you know? Yeah. So I think we're sort of, you know, it's a, it took 200 years to get to this, 230 years to get to this point of indifference. It's going to take a little while, you know, to get back. But that's what this project's about is, you know, put them up at the state capitals. Kids see them on their field trip. Uh, every kid goes to a state capital or her state capital at some point on a field trip. See the Bill of Rights at every state capital, millions of kids a year. 20 years from now, I think the awareness of it will be uh, a lot greater. You know, so yeah. that's the idea that it pays to advertise. Yeah, I guess so. Um, so, and speaking of politics, I mean, are uh, are you going to be talking about that on stage, or have you kind of worn out on it at this point? Because it seems to be polarizing. You know what, the thing about a campaign like, the thing about all those kinds of subjects, first, I think they're interesting anyway. But between the Twitterverse and, uh, you know, uh, the late-night guys that have a staff that's just pouring through it, 
You know, I mean, you, you could still find funny things to say. Yeah. But you do wonder. You go like, well, okay, and, and those are good. And they'll probably come up out of what's something that happened during the day. I was just talking to a media law center group, all right? <laughs> media law review center, uh, uh, a First Amendment group, intense conference, and they brought me in to break up some of the intensity. And one of the jokes I liked the most was that uh, this election is really hardest on my puppy. Huh. Because every time that Donald Trump speaks, her ears start to bleed from all the dog whistles. <laughs> that's funny. And then, but the but real, but, the, but that's actually just the setup punch. The punch punches, and she's a German Shepherd, so you wouldn't think she'd be that sensitive. <laughs> so there you go. And people love it. You know, I mean, the media guys, you know, the law guys, they just love it. So. Uh, uh, so you have some fun with fun where you can, and uh, I mean. I don't know if this, I guess this term's got to be out there. I searched it on Twitter and it wasn't trending. I was disappointed. I really thought that we had finally arrived at Pussygate, didn't you? Oh, I know, right? That's, of, of all the gates to I have. Mean, we've gone from Watergate, we've gone through yeah. all the other gates, the Korea Gate, a Billy Gate, a Bridge Gate, uh, Iran Gate that became Iran country. You know, they tried like four different things with Monica Lewinsky. None of them, right. she got her own scandal instead, the Monica Lewinsky affair. Yes, but uh, but we did have Nipplegate, and now we're at Pussygate. So yep, I think we have finally, finally, no more gates after this. Please, no, oh, no, it's like we were saying that twenty years ago, though, no more gates, and it's just I know, but this has got to be the one where people just go, uh, you know, that uh, gate has jumped the shark, the gate suffix, and jump the shark, jump the shark a while back. Too, yes, it did. Isn't that strange? How that yeah. happens? Yeah. I mean, I thought jump the shark, jump the shark 15, 20 years ago. People are still saying jump the shark. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I um came up with this list, gosh, when I was writing for the, the Gary Burbank radio show. Like, this is 15 years ago probably now. Maybe not quite that long, but wow. a list of words and phrases that we needed to get rid of. Mother of all, this is not your father's. And I traced back to where all they, they all came from, and it's people are still using them. This is not your father's every day. And people get paid a lot more money than I do to write that kind of crap. And it's like... Well, I mean, you understand why. You know, I mean, it's pretty, you know, I mean, it becomes a shorthand and it's like, that's what we need. I mean, when was the last time anything, uh, uh, you you know, if it's four words or less, it becomes initials now anyway, an acronym immediately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, when I was in high school, I wrote a a science fiction story where people just talked in acronyms. Just spoken acronyms? Acronyms and short versions of words. Instead of calling it video, they called it vid. And uh, I was pretty proud of that. Only I got like a B minus on it, I think. (laughs) And, well, you know, what a prophet in his own time. Right? <laughs> exactly. And uh, I remember reading an essay George Orwell wrote about this back in the, gosh, 40s or 50s, that the language back then had already degenerated into people using these little, you know, bite-sized phrases and shorthands to, you know, to really water down the language. And he said, I'm guilty of it too, don't get me wrong, but yeah, it's something we've got to fight back against. And well, he saw the trend. I mean, oh, you yeah. know, the funny thing about Orwell, I read a lot of Orwell. I read a lot of his letters and essays and journalism, and I highly recommend Orwell as just a really thoughtful dude. Uh, uh, but the interesting thing about me about Orwell, last five, six, eight years, you keep saying to yourself, hey, you know, 1984, it was supposed to be a warning, not an instruction manual. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's like people read read Machiavelli's The Prince, and, and it's like, no, this is supposed to be a warning. This isn't supposed to be go out and do this at work, yeah. you know. And uh, but everybody looks at it and goes, "Yeah, that would work." Well, yeah, that's and, that. uh, the next thing. You know, we're in this Orwell universe that we're in that's far beyond what I think even Orwell would have thought. I know it's weird, so, and and when you're inside of it, you think like, 
no, this can't possibly be happening. People are smarter than this. And then it turns out, oh, no, they're not. I guess we, we should be at war with Oceania. Wait, weren't, weren't we friends with them a while ago? <laughs> That's all I remember from the 80s. Well, and, and, it's, and it's, uh, uh, it's like that. there's a great Lily Tomlin quote about how I try to, uh, um, no matter how hard I try to stay cynical, I just can't seem to keep up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and yeah. these days it's outrage. No matter how hard I try to stay outraged, and at some point you just go, really? You know, I mean, we're not really that far from dancing around the fire and shaking our fists at the moon, are we? I mean, doesn't, doesn't a lot of this remind you of that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And yet, we're also, and yet we're also not that far from brains in jars, so there's always hope. True. Or, um, oh, uh, this reminds me... Back to I... the cave or, or back to the future. Right. Or I spoke to uh, Dana Gould a couple of weeks ago, and of course, famously a fan of planet of the apes maybe that we're maybe they are going to take over you know <laughs> well i'm not so worried about the apes i know <laughs> a lot more things i think it. they'll end up going down with us to that's, be quite honest that, that's pro- it's probably true yeah actually we're probably doing our, our best to keep them under thumb taking away their habitat and stuff so so what do you what do you talk about on stage then what kind of material are you preparing uh to bring to acme you know, I think the uh, goal with Josh and I is always to make it as personal as possible. Okay. So, uh, you know, so so uh, so the general thing will be just to put things in the context of who you are as a person. And uh, rather than just material and everything, I think there's going to be a strong personal connection. Uh, they're going to get to know who they're, uh, you know, the, the, the people on stage, not just not just jokes. And that's sort of that's sort of the interesting thing about performing with uh, your best friend two and a half feet from you, uh, you know, getting all the audience feedback the same time you are. I mean, uh, so for us, it's really fun, and and it, and it encourages us, uh, particularly, uh, you know, early in the week. If people want to see the experimenting early in the week is, uh, uh, you know, when it's the most fun, you have more time on stage, you only get one show a night, and uh, the audiences pretty much dictate where you go with those things, and it's, it's uh, really interesting. Uh, I remember one time when Josh uh, when when Josh took on a biker heckler. Uh, you, know, you know Josh, right? Biker heckler turned out to be one of the funniest things ever. And uh, cool. I can't even remember what the joke was, but it's just stuff happens because it's just very very loose. The heckler wasn't some violent heckler; he was right. just trying to, you know. I mean, so it's a loose show that everybody feels. Uh, I, I think the feeling of it is really good for audiences because it's pretty honest. As, you know, yeah. and there are chunks of material, and even the chunks of material are delivered like, okay, and now a little material, and then we'll get back to the honest. You know, so yeah. I mean, it's just a, uh, you know, there's not there, there's the pre. If there is a pretense, it's a pretense of honesty, and, and I think it's what we're trying to, you know, bring to stage because that's what's interesting and enjoyable for both of us is to have, you know, the, the, the closer it gets to uh, the two of us sort of giving our year in review to the other guy. Yeah. You know, the better, uh, and, and what's funny about it, you know, I mean, the, the, the better it is. So I'm curious, you've been doing this show for years, but just once a year, um, and it, does it feel like the same show as it did pretty much when you started this, or now that you've done it for so many times that there's it, it feels a little different each time because of there's always something, you know, new added from the last time? Now, are you married? Yes. And how long for uh, 24 at the end of the month. Okay, 24. Do you remember what it was like, uh, 
what you've been through, let's say like 14, I think Josh and I have been doing this for 10 or 12 years. Yeah. And it's gone through phases. At first it was kind of stiff and mechanical, just the first one, you know, yeah. it was like, well, I'll go out and when I'm done, I'll call you out. It will. And then pretty soon it was, well, why don't we hang out on stage together? Uh, and then, uh, you, you know, and, and it's been moving from there ever since. Uh-huh. I would say there've been, uh, you know, a couple of years when, uh, when one or both of us were disappointed that we didn't try to do this honesty thing more, you know? Yeah. Uh, but overall the arc is straight in that direction. And I think this time, uh, you know, it'll just be the, the next, uh, it, it'll, this should be the most fun and loosest yet because we're both coming into it from where we're spending so much of our time. Uh, uh, on things that aren't particularly stand-up, right? You know, but they are interesting and they can be funny. So yeah. you try and bring that into. So you bring your life and your and the things that you really care about. I mean, it's so it's going to be very. I think it'd be a very fresh show, and uh, and, and one that uh, will leave the. I mean, it's certainly a very giving show because Josh and I, our whole purpose is to walk out on stage and 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 try to do something uh, really good for these people you know, really unique and thoughtful and heartfelt and funny. So, uh, I mean, I, 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 that's what I know how we, how we both think about this week and what we've come to look forward to it as this different space rather than, well, you're doing your comedy and I'm doing my comedy and yeah. people meet and do our comedy. It's not like that. It's, it's a really personal show and really funny. Josh Weinstein is, um, I, I hate to say this, one of the funniest joke writers in the country. Oh, sure. You know? Yeah, set up punch, man. The guy's a classic. Uh, he, he, I can't even get, I, I barely get into the introduction to the premise of Josh's told three jokes. Yeah, oh. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. He's uh, he's he's concise. Um, yeah, and I guess he's been doing more stand up. I guess even though he's got the, the you know the documentaries uh, going, he was constantly trying to do more stand up as well to kind because of, he you know getting well. And of course, out in L.A. where you get to do, I mean, it's like you do in both. You know, people know you're a filmmaker. Yep. And they know you do stand up. And it's like, and everybody's, I mean, everything reinforces one another. That's a good thing out there. So, you know, and he's doing the stand up he's doing is not, uh, you know, evening at the improv. I mean, Josh is out there on the, uh, you know, on the hipper stages. Yeah. So, you know, and that's a great crowd to work for because they'll make you do something new. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, Josh is actually a friend of Andy Kindler's. Oh yeah, I, we love Andy. I don't grasp that. I mean, how can anybody <laughs> like Andy? You know, you, you, he's that's the guy you got to meet to like. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool man. Uh, so it's those kind of. I mean, that's well. well I, I, yeah. So a lot. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, one of these days, you're going to have to get up there. I know, right? Or you guys will have to come down here, take this thing on on the road, or but yeah, I got invited to Minneapolis once to judge a comedy competition, but it was too prohibitively expensive to fly there. Um, but yeah, Acme invited me up to judge uh, the um, the uh, local stand-up contest, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'd love that." I almost went. My wife said, oh, "You should go up there." And then we looked at the price, and we're like, "Oh yeah, no." <laughs> but um, maybe sometime. Well, probably... I mean, Josh and I are right. I mean, it, we're in solidarity with Celtic Dockbreed. We're not coming there. <laughs> All right, man. When Gilbert comes, then Josh and I will lift our. I mean, there's a band. There you there's go. There's a band. There's a band. I think it goes back to the way they treated Larry Flint when he was. No, that was he was in Columbus. Who was in? Uh, Cincinnati. Who was? It was at the Penn. Who was in? Uh, You're right, Larry Flint. Uh, You're right. Larry. You know, oh, was Flint? Okay, was great. Flint. Yeah, yeah. So you got, got my you. reference right. Yeah, there That's you great. go. Cool. Well, all right, man. Got a lot of good stuff for the piece as usual in print and online and city pages, and of course uh, the podcast will drop probably this Sunday. I'll use this episode, and um, and let's either, either edit or just redo it completely. Right. Okay. 
Just yeah. wherever I'm la- wherever I have a lag, just put in some of the the uh, you know Trump on that Access Hollywood bus. There you go. Audio. All right. Well, cool, yeah. man. Good talking to you again. All right, thanks, All right. man. Thanks, Chris. Bye bye. Hey, bye bye. Thanks again to Chris Bliss for being on the show. You can catch Chris performing with J. Elvis Weinstein at the Acme Comedy Company in Minneapolis Tuesday, October 25th through Saturday, October 29th. Now, they're not a comedy duo. This is a, a one-off thing that they do, well, sort of a one-off uh, each year thing they do where they stand on stage together and kind of comment on each other's comedy and kind of go back and forth doing their stand-up. A unique show only for the folks in Minneapolis. If you want to catch Chris Bliss somewhere else around the country, go to chrisbliss.com. And J. Elvis Weinstein's website is stinkburger.com. I'm not sure how well he updates it, though. He does comedy in and around Los Angeles, where he's based. He's mostly trying to get the, those documentaries uh, out and on the uh, silver screen, as it were. Okay, we're going to move on to the song of the week. Let you out of class early today. The song of the week is from a French DJ, the Superman Lovers. Uh, he's pretty popular over there in Europe. Another one of these deals where it's, you know, the DJ, and then he brings in a singer, a feature, and, and I haven't really gotten worn out on this uh, concept yet. I still like it. I still think it's... Um, I guess because there's so many different people doing it, you get so many different records. It isn't like the same people, uh, you know, doing the same sounding record over and over again. I mean, there's kind of a similar structure to it. You have your hook, you have, you know, the guy coming in and singing and things like that. But uh, I, I think you'll dig this. This is called Starlight. It's the radio edit. It's our song of the week on PF State Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.